Is it someone other than consciousness says that? And someone other than consciousness or something other than consciousness has to be jada or inert. And inert cannot say because inert cannot be the locus of experience. Inert thing cannot be experiencer and therefore an inert thing jada cannot say there is birth of consciousness or consciousness is created. If you there no, it is consciousness that says that consciousness is created. In that case again we have to ask this question. Which consciousness says that? It is consciousness other than this consciousness that is created says, suppose consciousness A is created. Who says that? Is it consciousness B that says that consciousness A is created? Or consciousness A itself says that consciousness A is created? This question. <coughs> If you say that consciousness B says the or knows the creation of consciousness A, in which case we have to accept multiplicity of consciousness. And we don't accept it because we cannot establish multiplicity of consciousness because there is nothing that can divide one consciousness from another. Although it may we may feel that this is one consciousness and I perceive other consciousnesses and thus there are sparks of consciousness so we may feel But really, what is this consciousness I is none other than the consciousness that is you because there cannot be such divisions as I and you in consciousness. <coughs> so the question last night that I would ask, Swamiji, I see a man here who is conscious and I see him passing out. Again, I see him again regain consciousness. So it looks as though the consciousness is there, has gone away, has come back. How do you say that I cannot experience the absence of consciousness? So the answer is, it is not the consciousness that goes and comes. It is merely the mind becomes conscious or it becomes unconscious. And that's all. Or better than that, if you see a person who is alive at this moment and then you find he is dead, is what, has, what is it that has happened to that person? Is it consciousness that has gone away? The answer is no. It is not the consciousness that has gone away. It is subtle body that has gone away. That has left this gross body. <coughs> and subtle body is a link that, that between the consciousness and the gross body. And as long as the subtle body is present in this gross body, so long the gross body is what we call alive. And the gross body becomes dead when that link, namely subtle body, departs. But Even when the subtle gross body is dead, then also what we call consciousness is present. Except that, that consciousness is not manifest in the gross body. So it's a matter of manifestation or unmanifestation of consciousness that we are talking about and not departure and arrival of consciousness. Just as there is manifestation or unmanifestation of electricity. As long as bulb is there, the electricity is manifest. You remove the bulb, the electricity is not manifest. It is there, but not manifest. <coughs> And so also, consciousness is ever there. You may say it is manifest or unmanifest, but we never see the departure or arrival or absence of consciousness. <coughs> not only that, but we can never perceive consciousness. Consciousness can never become an object of perception. What I perceive is always the gross thing. 
what I perceive is gross body. And I say that consciousness is in the gross body because gross body is alive. By that definition, there is no consciousness in this microphone or in this loudspeaker because there is no movement there. But when we mean consciousness, we do not mean consciousness which manifests in the mind. What makes this particular body conscious is because of the presence of the subtle body. And the subtle body is not present in the table or the microphone. And therefore, that kind of manifestation of consciousness is not found here. But what we mean by consciousness, which is nothing but existence, is very much there in this table or in the microphone as it is in me, except that the manifestation is different. Just as one electricity becomes manifest as light through bulb and becomes manifest as motion through a fan. Because in the fan there is an element called motor, which converts that electrical energy into motion or mechanical energy. And when such a factor is not there, the electricity does not manifest as motion. And so also in this gross body, there is what we call subtle body, which is responsible for the manifestation of the consciousness, is what we call life. And on account of absence of the subtle body in the microphone, what we call life is not there, but what we call consciousness, which is nothing but existence, is very much there. So, consciousness is manifest as existence in a microphone, is also is manifest as life in a living body. But what we call consciousness is awareness, is ever-present. And that does not become really perceptible to us because it cannot be perceived by, by our eyes, by our sense organs. So pure awareness or even pure existence cannot be perceived by us. Only conditioned awareness or conditioned existence can be perceived. So con- uh, existence as conditioned by a name and form such as microphone or existence as conditioned by what we call the book name and form that alone becomes an object of perception. Existence per se, pure existence cannot be perceived by us. Just as pure light also cannot be perceived by us. What we perceive is conditioned light. So when light illumines this microphone, gets conditioned by a particular form, then alone we say that there is light in this room. Because the light illumines a certain object. And what we perceive is what we call a reflected light. And so also what you perceive when this body is alive is what we call a reflected consciousness or consciousness conditioned by body. But consciousness as such cannot be perceived by us. Existence as such cannot be perceived by us. Why? Because that is the nature of the very perceiver. And so, when I perceive existence or consciousness out there, it is not really out there, it is in here. I shouldn't say in here also, it is I. That's why the first verse of Dakshinamudhi Stotra says, Vishwam darpana drushyamana nagari tulyam nijantargatam Maya Bahirvod Nidraya. So the whole universe which is within me appears to be without me on account of Maya. Just as in dream, the whole dream world is within me but appears to be without me. So also the whole universe which is within me in the waking appears to be as though without me because I take myself as confined to this body or this, this upadhi. But otherwise, 
there is nothing without I. And therefore, even the satta and the spurti, the existence and the awareness which I perceive elsewhere, is not really there, it is I. So existence and awareness that I am alone gets reflected in the name and form. And therefore, existence per se does not become perceptible to us. So we cannot say that I perceive another consciousness. Although, generally in the West, when they say consciousness, they mean mind. But we do not mean mind by consciousness. Mind is that which is illumined by consciousness, which is objectified by consciousness. Because mind also is something known to me. The thoughts are known to me. And the one who knows that, or rather the one who illumines the various states of the mind, is awareness. And that awareness cannot become an object of knowledge to to anyone, to the to the sense organs of the mind. <coughs> Therefore, number one, we do not accept another awareness because there is no boundary line that would divide one awareness from another awareness because awareness is unconditioned. And secondly, awareness cannot be objectified because awareness is subtler than the subtlest and therefore cannot become the object of perception by the sense organs or the mind. And therefore, there is no way for us to establish the absence of awareness. And therefore, there is no way that we can perceive the creation of awareness. And so we cannot establish prior non-existence of awareness, creation of awareness. So we cannot say that awareness is created. We cannot say it is anitya. <coughs> and if you say that, I perceive the creation of awareness, then awareness becomes an object of perception, like a part. So if there is another awareness, then if one awareness is objectified by another awareness, then the awareness A, which is objectified by awareness B, that awareness A becomes something similar to a microphone or a part, an object of perception. And what is objectified, what is drushyam, that becomes jadam. In that case, that awareness or exist, awareness or consciousness A, would become jada, is no more consciousness. So for it to be consciousness, it cannot become an object of perception. And therefore, consciousness or awareness is that which cannot be objectified, and therefore you cannot establish its absence, you cannot establish its creation. <coughs> then someone may say, but consciousness A perceives the absence <coughs> of itself. <coughs> and the answer is Napidvitiha Sva Abhavasya Svena Grahitum Ashakyatvad. We cannot even say that I perceive my own absence because one cannot perceive one's absence. <coughs> I cannot perceive myself. I cannot objectify myself. Because I cannot simultaneously become the object and subject. For me to objectify myself, I must simultaneously be what? The subject and the object. The object cannot be subject, and the subject cannot be object. There cannot be subject-object split in one, because awareness or atma is partless. It doesn't, is not made of components. It being partless or nirvayava, there cannot be a split of subject and object within one awareness. And therefore, we cannot say that awareness A perceives its own creation. I cannot. <coughs>
सुनापि द्वितीय है सो अभावस्य स्वेन ग्रहितुम अशक्यत्वात एंड दस दिस आर्गुमेंट्स शो अस हाउ वी कैन नॉट एस्टैब्लिश व्हाट वी कॉल द बर्थ ऑफ अवेयरनेस द क्रिएशन ऑफ अवेयरनेस एब्सेंस ऑफ अवेयरनेस एंड दैफर अवेयरनेस इज एवर देयर इट इज इटर्नल इट इज अनक्रिएटेड even when a scientist says that awareness is created on account of certain factors in matter how do you arrive at that how do you perceive that then the scientist or someone has to imagine the material being there and the consciousness evolving from there so what does he perceive he perceives some kind of a phenomenon there which is objectified which becomes what again jada because he the perceiver is ever there so even a scientist also cannot perceive his own creation or his own absence i must be there if in order for me to see my own birth i must be there before the birth so for to witness the birth of a given thing the witness must be present before the birth the witness must be present to see the prior non existence of that thing then a non birth can be established i cannot see my own birth because i cannot be present before my birth otherwise uh i cannot be born <clears throat> and therefore i cannot perceive my own birth nor can i perceive my own death because to establish the phenomenon called death again the witness must see what the posterior non existence so to see the death of a part the part is present it is broken and now we are also aware of the absence of the part then alone we can say that the part is dead or part is broken similarly for me to say that i am dead i must be present even after the death which is contrary to the death itself and therefore one cannot perceive one's birth nor can one perceive one's death nor can one perceive changes in oneself one cannot objectify oneself and therefore there is nothing to establish the creation or destruction of awareness because there is no awareness to see that another awareness and awareness itself cannot perceive its own creation <coughs> this this argument that we advance against the shunyavadins as well as the kshanikavadins also when you say shunyam what do you mean by shunyam do you mean the total absence total non existence then who is there to perceive that total non existence if there is a perceiver of that non existence well the perceiver remains in which case we cannot say that there is total non existence nor can you say that the awareness is kshanika or constantly changing because who notices that if there is a witness of the changing consciousness what is the nature of that witness is he also changing then how do you know that he is changing ultimately you must have a witness who is changeless in order to perceive the change and therefore even changing consciousness we cannot arrive at even though the bodhas they say swasamvedyatvam in awareness we don't accept because swasamvedyatvam means perceiving one's own nature and that requires one to become the perceiver and the perceived simultaneously and the split cannot be accepted <coughs> and thus awareness or consciousness or atma the self is nitya it is uncreated free from death meaning it is eternal <coughs> then on now this page 177 the last but one line the tikaka raises another question 
ननु द्वैतस्य परमात्रादभेदूपत्वात् ಪ್ರಮಾಣ ಪ್ರಮೇಯ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಕಾಲ್ ದ್ವೈತಂ ಪ್ರಮಾತ್ರ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ಪರ್ಸಿವರ್ ಪ್ರಮೇಯ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ದಟ್ ವಿಚ್ ಇಸ್ ಪರ್ಸಿವ್ಡ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಪ್ರಮಾಣ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದಿ ಪ್ರಮಾಣ ಈಸ್ ದಿ ಪರ್ಸೆಪ್ಷನ್ ಸೊ ದ ಪರ್ಸಿವರ್ ಪರ್ಸಿವ್ಡ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಪರ್ಸೆಪ್ಷನ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಕಾಲ್ ದ್ವೈತ ಆರ್ ಡಿವಾಲಿಟಿ ನನು ದ್ವೈತಸ್ಯ ಪರಮಾತ್ರಾದಿ ಭೇದರೂಪತ್ವಾದ್ ತದ್ ಅಭಾವಸ್ಯ ಚ ತೇನೈವ ಅನುಭವಿತುಂ ಅಶಕ್ಯತ್ವಾದ್ and this duality namely this dvaita cannot perceive its own absence tad anubhavitru antarabhavacha the interesting thing is for me to say that there is dvaita which is the duality which is something that is illumined by the awareness then also again the duality comes in there because there is awareness which illumines this duality and so for me to see even the absence of duality the person with awareness that sees the absence of duality <coughs> and that absence and the perception of absence that kind of duality remains <coughs> the interesting thing is to say that even the dvaita or the duality is absent that perception of the duality you know that perceiver perception all of that duality again remains for me to say that there is no duality <coughs> ಪರ್ಸೆಪ್ಷನ್ the whole creation consists of the perceiver perception and the perceived and there is nothing beyond that so therefore how do we establish the absence of duality we say that there is someone other than this perceiver perceived and perception and that is what is said in the second line of verse dvaitasya pragabhavastu chaitanyena anubhuyate dvaitasya pragabhavah the prior non existence of dvaita or duality chaitanyena anubhuyate is in fact experienced by what we call chaitanya of the self <coughs> says jagradadi dvaita bhavasya susupta sakshana anubhuyamanatvat tamasah sakshi sarvasya sakshi iti shrutaischaiti bhavah so jagradadi dvaita bhavasya susupta there is what we call dvaita bhava the absence of duality susupta in susupti ಸುಷುಪ್ತೌ ಸಾಕ್ಷಣ ಅನುಭೂಯಮಾನತ್ವಾತ್ ಇನ್ ಸುಷುಪ್ತಿ ಮೀನಿಂಗ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಡೀಪ್ ಸ್ಲೀಪ್ ಆರ್ ದ ಡ್ರೀಮ್ ಲೆಸ್ ಸ್ಲೀಪ್ ದರ್ ಇಸ್ ಅ ಟೋಟಲ್ ಆಪ್ಸೆನ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಡಿವಾಲಿಟಿ ದರ್ ಇಸ್ ನೋ ಪರ್ಸೇವರ್ ನೋ ಪರ್ಸೀವರ್ ನೋ ಪರ್ಸೆಪ್ಷನ್ ನೋ ಪರ್ಸೀವ್ಡ್ ದಿಸ್ ಕೈಂಡ್ ಆಫ್ ಡಿವಾಲಿಟಿ ಇಸ್ ಟೋಟಲಿ ಆಪ್ಸೆನ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ಡೀಪ್ ಸ್ಲೀಪ್ ಆ್ಯಂ
there is a witness of that total absence also. So we accept a witness even in the deep sleep. Because when we wake up in the morning, we say that I who went to sleep is the I who has woken up. And so there is a continuity of existence and continuity of awareness also. If awareness cannot be destroyed, so there is awareness in the deep sleep also. <coughs> Still, in the deep sleep or the dreamless sleep, we are not aware of anything. That argument is, if Atma is there in the deep sleep, then how come we don't know? In the deep sleep, how come I don't have any awareness at all? How come I don't have any knowledge at all? The answer is, that instrument of knowledge is not there. It is a mind which is an instrument with which I know things. In the deep sleep, that very mind is not there. Just as, for me to perceive these objects, the colors and forms during the waking state also, not only the eyes are required, but the light also is required. If the light is not there, I would not be able to perceive the objects even though they are there. My eyes are also there, the perceiving organ is there, the objects are also there, and still I, may not be able to, I would not be able to perceive them in the waking state if the light is not there, the raloka, the light is not there. So just because I do not perceive any objects doesn't mean there are no objects. Some factor required for perception of the object is absent, namely the light. Of course, I may not perceive the objects if I am blind also. So lack of perception of the object can be due to two reasons. One is that my eyes are not there, or secondly, the light is not there. Similar condition is then in the deep sleep. There is a total lack of awareness of anything. The reason can be that awareness is not there. Or secondly, that light which illumines all the objects is not there. The Shunyavadin say <coughs> the very awareness is not there in the deep sleep. Whereas we say that the light that illumines the objects is not there. And what is that light? Our mind. Our mind illumines the objects and there alone they can be perceived. In deep sleep, that mind is not there. So even though the objects are there, we cannot perceive them. <coughs> Thus in deep sleep also, we accept the presence of Sakshi or awareness. So it is said Tamasaha Sakshi, Sarvasya Sakshi, Atma is the Sakshi, the witness of Tamas. Tamas means total darkness. <coughs> so when I say that I don't see anything, even that also is seeing. If there is a total darkness in this room and I say I don't see anything, that also establishes the existence of eyes because how do you say that you don't see anything? You see the absence of everything. And that is also seen by the eyes. Similarly also, when we say in the deep sleep, I do not know anything. That shows the knowledge of absence of everything. And that also establishes the existence of a witness. So, tamasaha sakshi, sarvasya sakshi, and the one who is sakshi of the, the absence, total non-existence, I mean the non-existence of the objective non-existence in the deep sleep, sarvasya sakshi, he is also the witness of everything. So idea is that one cannot establish the non-existence of awareness, but we can establish the non-existence of duality, as in deep sleep, or in any state of mind where the mind is not functioning, in what they call samadhi also, when the mind stops functioning, when the mind is still then also there is no awareness of duality at all. 
or even in a so-called moment of happiness also momentarily there is no awareness of any duality of the subject object or anything so these are the occasions when we know the absence of duality and who knows that the awareness knows that the atma knows that or atma rather illumines the absence of the duality but there is nothing that would know or perceive the absence of awareness so duality is something that is created awareness is not created dvaitam is anityam and chiti or atma is nitya this is what is established in these arguments <coughs> and thus continuing the tikagasas evam cha pragabhava yutatve sadi yutatve means vishistatve sadi अचिंचरचनात्वस्य मिथ्यात्वलक्षणस्य सद्भावात् द्वैतमिथ्यात्वं सिद्धमित्याह सो यस्टरडे वी डिस्कस्ड दैट व्हाट इज द लक्षण ऑफ मिथ्या अचिंचरचना अचिंचरचनात्वं इज मिथ्यात्वं मिथ्या इज दैट व्हिच इज नॉट कॉम्प्रिहेंसिबल बिकॉज़ इट कैन नॉट बी डिफाइंड सो दैट व्हिच इज नॉट कॉम्प्रिहेंसिबल टू द इंटेलेक्ट because it just defies any definition we cannot say that it is there nor can we say it is not there we cannot say it is real nor can we say it is non existent and thus that which cannot be comprehended with such and such is called mithya the argument was even atma also cannot be comprehended as such and such for atma also is beyond the words and the thought and therefore atma also cannot be comprehended or defined as such and such so that incomprehensibility if that is the criterion for mithyatvam then it equally applies to atma also then atma becomes also mithya then we qualified our definition by saying that achintya rachana rupatvam then rachyamanatve sati achintya rachana rupatvam that that which is incomprehensible and created is called mithya and that which is incomprehensible uncreated is called satyam satyam or the atma also is incomprehensible being beyond the thought and word but it is something uncreated on the other hand the universe is also incomprehensible but is created and therefore mithya is rachyamanatve sati achintya rachanatvam mithyatvam so that which is created and which is incomprehensible is mithya <coughs> therefore it is said achintya rachanatvasya mithyatva rakshanasya sadbhavat द्वैतमिथ्यात्वं सिद्धं प्रागभावयुतत्वे सति अचिंत्यरचनात्वं मिथ्यात्वं बीइंग एंडॉग विथ प्रागभाव और प्रायर नॉन एक्झिस्टेंस एंड बीइंग इनकॉम्प्रिहेंसिबल साइमल्टेनियसली इज द लक्षण और द कॅरेक्टरिस्टिक ऑफ मिथ्यात्वं सो मिथ्यात्व लक्षणस्य सद्भावात् सच लक्षणम और कॅरेक्टरिस्टिक ऑफ मिथ्यात्वं बीइंग देयर इन द्वैत द्वैतमिथ्यात्वं सिद्धं दैट द्वैतम or the duality is mithya what is the duality the pramada pramanam prameya the seer seen and the seeing this is the duality and that is mithya mithya means it is not real it doesn't enjoy reality of its own it derives its reality from something else namely the self <coughs> that is said in the verse 255 <coughs> pragabhavayutam dvaitam रच्यते घटा दिवत तथा रचना चिंत्या 
मिथ्या तेनेन्द्रजालवत प्रागभावयुत रच्यते घटाधिवत घटाधिवत सच स्पॉट एक्सेट्रा रच्यते स्क्रीडेड सो प्रागभावत बिकॉज स्पॉट इज दैट विच इज एंडोर विथ वॉट वी कॉल प्रायर नॉन एक्सिस्टेंस वेन यू से पॉट इज क्रिएटेड वी से दैट बिकॉज स्पॉट इज एंडोर विथ प्रायर नॉन एक्सिस्टेंस प्रागभाव द्वैतम ऑल्सो बींग एंडोर विथ प्रागभाव वी से दैट Dvaitam also is rachyate, is also created. So the criterion that applies to a part applies to the whole universe. Part is created because part is endowed with prior non-existence. So we say that the whole universe consisting of duality is created because that is also endowed with prior non-existence. <coughs> so that's one thing that it is created. And secondly, tathabhi rachana achintya. Then a part of course Perhaps it can be defined as such and such, but this duality of the whole universe, even the part also cannot be defined being a part of the duality. And so it is created as well as achintya, it is incomprehensible. Tena indrajalavat mithya. So just as indrajala means magic is mithya, so also the whole universe is mithya because it is created as well as it is incomprehensible. <coughs> तो टीकाकर प्रागभावयुतुगर्भितम विशेषण हेतुगर्भितम मीन्स दैट विच कंटेन्स हेतु हेतु मीन्स द कॉज ऑफ द रीजनिंग सो प्रागभाव सिंस इट इज प्रागभावयुत सिंस प्रागभावयुतम इज एंडोर विथ प्रागभाव दर्फर दट्स वॉट द टीकाकर द्वैतम प्रागभावयुत So pragabhavayutam, that expression is, it contains its own hetu, the reason. So express the it is explained as dvaitam pragabhavayutatvat ghatadivat rachyate. So ghatadivat rachyate, since just as a part is endowed with pragabhava, dvaitam also is endowed with pragabhava, and therefore rachyate, it is also created. Tathavi rachana achintya, tathavins rachyamanatvevi, And even though this whole duality is created, tasyad dvaitasya rachana achintya, but it is incomprehensible. <coughs> the incomprehensibility was discussed at length in the earlier part of the chapter. Said that how to explain this this creation of a human being, for example, or how to explain the creation of a big uh, banyan tree, because what's the seed of a banyan tree? It is atomic in size. How can an atomic little seed give rise to such a big banyan tree? And thus, if you look into the creation source of anything, you'll find that that source cannot really explain that creation. This was their way of express showing the incomprehensibility. Today, of course, the science has very eloquently proven the incomprehensibility of everything, because we cannot even define anything as such and such. Whether it is a particle or it is a wave or it is in motion or it is a field and what is happening nobody knows. There are what the scientists have done is they have given us certain models to understand the phenomenon that they observe, but nobody can observe a proton or electron or they are not observed, meaning they are not perceived. They are only posited because of a certain model that we find the universe certain bodies rotating around the other bodies. 
a heavy body is that around which the light body is rotated. And therefore, we apply that same model with reference to atom also and say that there is a nucleus around which the electrons and protons rotate. But nobody knows that there is such a thing called electron. Because then they say that there is what we call the field. And the field alone shows such a phenomenon that creates a sense of rotation. Whatever it is, the idea is that we cannot really say, uh, we cannot define a given thing as such and such. <coughs> we cannot define it as particle, nor can we define it as, as a wave. And there is only two phenomena that we know. There can be something more than that which we, don't, which we may discover tomorrow. So, generally speaking, the behavior of the things in the world can be explained by one of the two models. Particle is one model, wave is another model. But there are also models. But what is particle? That itself we cannot define because itself may be, or what is wave? So, these are just the models that are, that are presented to us in order to understand the phenomenon. But no phenomenon can really be explained as such and such, and therefore, the whole universe is what we call incomprehensible. <coughs> so that is incomprehensible and created is mithya. Tena indrajalavat mithya, tena meaning rachyamanatvesati, achintya rachyanatvena, indrajalika prasadavat mithya ityardaha, just as a musician may create a, a prasad means palace, and is that palace there? You cannot say it is not there because you perceive that is it really there? You cannot say it is there because you cannot dwell, you cannot live in there. You cannot say it is not there because you perceive, nor can you say it is there because you cannot live in that palace. And therefore, that palace created by a magician is what we call achintya. And so also is the whole universe. So, rachyamanatvesati, achintya rachanatvena. So, that which is created as well as incomprehensible is called mithya. Like, in the Jaliga Prasada, that's illustration. So, therefore, the whole universe is what we call Mithya. So, this is discussed again and again because the mind gives reality to the universe. And there are very deep samskaras. The deep impressions are there because we have been giving reality to the universe that we perceive. And the criterion of reality is that which should always persist. The universe does not persist. Criterion of reality is that they should be definable in terms of abadhitam. The universe is badhitam. And thus we have to again and again dwell upon this to get the, the idea rooted in our mind that the universe is mithya, is not satyam. <coughs> that is the vision of a wise man, which is what is going to be described subsequently. <coughs> So continuing, this, it says here, Chitihitavat Svaprakashatvena Nitya Aparokshaja Bhasare Chitvidiriktasya Chamithyatvam Tayaeva Chita Anubhoyateti Darshitam Evam Chisati Advaitasya Aparokshatvam Nastiri Vadadaha Vyagatasya Syadidhyaha Chitihitavat Svaprakashatvena Nitya Aparokshaja Bhasare Chiti means awareness, therefore Suprakashat, awareness is something that is self-evident. It is self-existent, self-evident. Nitya aparokshaj bhasate. It being self-existent, it is uncreated and therefore nitya. It is self-evident and therefore not illumined by any other awareness, therefore aparoksha. Self-evident, 
therefore aparoksha and self-existent therefore nitya nitya means uncreated since awareness is self-existent therefore it is uncreated therefore it is eternal and it is svaprakasha meaning it is svaprakasha meaning self-evident and therefore also immediately known what is aparoksham? aparoksham is that which is immediately known immediately known means known without the agency of sense organs of the mind so that which is known through the agency of sense organs is called pratyaksham that which is beyond the perception of the range of the sense organs is called paroksham atma is not pratyaksha because he is not in front of me atma is not paroksha because he is not other away from me then atma is myself and so there is a third term called aparoksha what is aparoksha? self-evident immediately known immediately known meaning known effortlessly known without the agency of the sense organs or the mind and when can it be known such only when it is self-evident because those things which are not self-evident must be illumined through the sense organs or the mind like the objects of the world they are not self-evident therefore they must be illumined by the sense organs the thoughts also are not self-evident they must be illumined by awareness. But awareness or Atma is self-evident. doesn't have to be illumined by anything. So that which is self-evident alone can be a paroksha. So Chitihi is what? Nitya, Svaprakasha, Nitya uncreated, and therefore, I mean, it is Svaprakasha Tvena, Nitya, Aparoksha, Chabhasate. Self-existent and self-evident. Therefore, it is Nitya and Aparoksha. <coughs> And then that very chiti, meaning that very atma, the self, also experiences or illumines the mithyatvam or the incomprehensible unreality of everything other than the atma. So anatma is mithya. And who knows the mithyatvam or the anatma? Very atma. So atma is self-evident, self-existent and illumines the mithyatvam or the unreality of everything other than itself. <coughs> it is darshitam. This has been shown in the earlier discussion. Evam chasati, that being the case, advaitasya aparokshatvam nasti. Then some Puru Pakshi said earlier that, how do you say that non if you say that the dvaitam is not, I mean the advaitam or the non-dual atma is not aparoksha, that's what he said. Iti vadataha vyagatascasya. To say that Atma is not a paroksha or Advaita is not a paroksha is a self-contradiction. He <coughs> said in the verse 256 here. Mithyatvam chanubhuyate. Nādvaitamaparoksham cheti etannavyāhatam katham Chitpratyaksha tatah anyasya mithyātvam cha anuhuyate Chitpratyaksha meaning chit or consciousness is pratyaksha, is self-evident 
ततः अन्यस्य मिथ्यात्वम च अनुभूयते एंड बाय द स्थित ऑल्सो अगेन इज अनुभूय एक्सपीरियंस मिथ्यात्वम और इन रियालिटी ऑफ एवरीथिंग अदर देन इटसेल्फ नेमली द क्रिएशन इन स्पाइट ऑफ दिस अद्वैतम अपरोक्षम न इति चेत एंड देन आल्सो यू से दैट अद्वैतम मीनिंग आत्मा इज नॉट अपरोक्ष नॉट सेल्फ एविडेंट एतन्न व्याहतम कथम प्लीज टेल अस how this not self contradictory it is self contradictory to say that atma is not aparoksha is not immediately known it is immediately known chidrupena bhasanaditi abhita yukti samuchchayartha cha shabdah so mithyatvam cha anubhuyate chidrupena bhasanat aur advaitam aparoksham cha that that chakara चिद्रूपेण भाषनाक्ति समुच्चयाक्षम how come i mean how do you say it is not contradictory it is contradictory to say that i i am not self evident or i am not immediately known to me or advaitam is not immediately known to say that would be self contradictory because it is self shining and it is uncreated kintu vyahadamevacha iti yojana however and rather than that to say that advaitam is a pro not a proksham is vyahadam is self contradictory <coughs> So up to this point is discussed the the uh, the mithyatvam of the universe and the satyatvam and the aparokshatvam of the atma or the consciousness. And now concluding that discussion in the last couple of verses, we said, "Evam vidantarsam jantam purushanam kesham chidatra vishvasah kuto na jayate." एवं वेदांतार्थम जानता पुरुषाण सो इन दिस मैनर दोस पीपल ऑफ स्टडी द वेदांत केशांचित विश्वास कुतो न जायते हाउ कम दीपल डू नॉट हैव विश्वास सो हाउ कम पीपल डू नॉट हैव ए कन्विक्शन इन स्पाइट ऑफ हैविंग स्टडी द वेदांत इन दिस मैनर एंड इट इज वेरी क्लियर दैट द्वैत ऑफ द डिवालिटी द क्रिएशन इज मिथ्या atma is satya self evident self existent and in spite of studying the vedanta in this manner vishwasah kuto na jayate how come people still do not have conviction about this how come they do not accept vedanta as a pramanam or they do not develop that conviction that vedanta reveals what's the reason he is asking his own difficulty I have been listening to Vedanta and I have been studying Vedanta, and still, how come this kind of a conviction does not arise in me? That I should I know myself as real or satyam, and everything other than me is unreal. How come that conviction does not arise? <coughs> and so that verse fifty-seven raises the question <coughs> and answers it also. केचित् 
नवीन शंका उपस्थापनम टू रेज अ न्यू डाउट इसका ओह प्राप्त शंका निवारणम अपोह एंड वट वर डाउट इज इन रेज टू रिजोल्व द डाउट इसको अपोह सो दिस को ऊह अपोह एंड देट इज अ मेथड ऑफ 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 मेकिंग ऑफ डेलीवरेटिंग अपॉन ए गिवन थिंग टू अंडरस्टैंड वॉट इट इज टू नो वॉट इट इज यू आस्क ए क्वेश्चन और रेज अ डाउट एंड एंसर इट इट इज अनदर डाउट एंसर इट इज अ थर्ड डाउट एंसर इट so this is an ability to be able to raise a doubt or to raise a question also requires a thinking ability and to answer that question also requires it so those people who are endowed with this ability of raising questions and answering they are called uhapoh kushalaha and that uhapoh kushalatvam or the ability of uhapoh is required for study of the scriptures for conducting vichara so charvakas or mutsyalis are also very intelligent people apparently they also raise various questions and answer them and so that kind of kushalatvam or the skill they have and still they arrive at this wonderful conclusion atma dehah the conclusion is what that it is a gross body is atma so please tell us how did they arrive at this conclusion so we want him to answer He says, in spite of learning Vedanta, how come so many people are still not satisfied, or they do not develop this conviction? Then we ask him, please tell us, how come these charvakas or the materialists, in spite of skill in the in the the process of argument and and the uh, the uh, the arguments and the reply of the arguments, even though they are skilled in this particular method, how come they arrive at this conviction that the body is Atma? so whatever makes the charvakas arrive at the conviction that the body is atma is the factor that keeps these people unsatisfied or dissatisfied in spite of studying vedanta or that keeps them that that keeps them away from arriving at the con- the proper conclusion of tatpara nirnaya of the vedanta <coughs> and so the person answers the question pratibandhi mohacharam shankade so he answers the question here in the verse 258 samyak vicharo nastyasya dhidosha adidichetatha asantushtastu shastrartham natvaikshanta visheshatah सम्यक विचार नास्तियोषाइंड so how come the same scriptures reveal different things to different people because people do not look at the scriptures in an objective manner when we approach the shastra also with a prejudice or with a prior conclusion and when we don't approach the shastra with an open mind then the shastra also does not reveal and so the charvakas they approach the shastra with already a conviction 
that the body is Atma. And therefore, they see only the confirmation of their own conviction. So people only seek to find confirmation of their own convictions when they study the Shastras. In which case, they do not understand the Shastra as they are supposed to be understood. So, Dhidosha. It is not that the people are not intelligent. It is not that they are not skilled in the process of argument. Except that they have some prejudices or some preconceived notion. Some emotional problem. I, I, I am brought up to believe certain things and I just cannot give up those beliefs. So people are brought up in their own family to believe that God is such and such. That Vishnu alone is God or Shiva is God or this is God or whatever. And there is such an emotional commitment to that particular belief that even when I grow up and when I listen that God is something above and beyond that, I just cannot accept and therefore I retain my own belief and I dismiss the scripture. Or I dismiss a person who tells me something that is opposed to my present belief. This is called dhidosha. So dhidosha means the, this defect in the intellect, the mind is not open. So, those who do not approach the scriptures with an open mind, they come out with all kinds of conclusions that are convenient to them. And so people draw the conclusions convenient to them. And the Charvakas also do that. So, this person says that the Charvakas arrive at this conclusion because on account of this dosha, or this defect in their intellect, or in that process of thinking, they are not able to conduct a proper deliberation upon the scriptures, and therefore, they arrive at this conclusion. Tatha. <coughs> Tatha means Samyena Samadhatte. Well, that's the problem here with all the rest who are not able to gain a satisfaction from Vedanta. Tatha. Tatha means what? Dhidoshad iti anushadjate. Tatha means Dhidoshad. Asantushtastu shastrasantu na aikshanta visheshataha. On account of Dhidoshad. Even the other intelligent people who approach the Shastra but not with an open mind or with a preconceived notion or with some prejudices or maybe inability to grasp what the scripture says. That also is a limitation of the intellect. So on account of a limitation of the thinking or on account of the prejudices, on account of actions of open mind, on account of perhaps improper teaching, whatever, because of these reasons, Asantustaha, the people are asantustaha, dissatisfied. Shastrartamtun aikshanta visheshataha, that visheshatatpari of the shastrartha, these people are not able to see. What is the visheshatatpariya? Atma satyam, brahma satyam, jagan mithya, or jiva brahma aikyam, that non duality or non separation with jiva and brahma, which is tatpari of the shastra, they are not able to see. They cannot see. How can I be Brahman? How can I be limitless? He is so convinced about what he is that he cannot, we cannot see the Tathpari of the scriptures. And therefore, and this is the problem with many people. This is not a theoretical problem. There are any number of people who are listening to Vedanta for years together and they don't develop the conviction. Many of them ultimately conclude Vedanta is not practical or uh, Vedanta is not for me or I am not, suppose they cannot dismiss Vedanta, then they will dismiss themselves, that it's not for me. Or it's not practical, it's just academic. In some manner or other they, they dismiss it because 
they feel that they cannot really it is it's not something that they can achieve or it is not something that appears to be real or that appears to be right to them for whatever reason either the vairagya is not there that bhoga buddhi is there and so there is a total commitment is not there either lack of commitment lack of surrender to the scriptures or the teacher or lack of an open mind there are various factors which prevent people from developing this conviction or committing themselves shraddhavan lavade gnanam there is a lack of shraddha tatpara sanyata indriya tatparta that commitment is not there so shraddha may be there commitment is not there commitment is there sanyata indriya the proper discipline is not there so everything is required shraddha is required commitment is required and discipline also is required and in absence of this it is possible that people do not gain this vision in which case they do not develop that fulfillment in their life and that is not the reason for you to say that the advaita is not right he says that if this advaita were a paroksha then how come people still do not develop that fulfillment it is not because atma is not a paroksha it is because they they do not have the factors that are necessary in order to gain this aparoksha gnanam therefore so sometimes we ask this question if brahma is myself how come i do not know it or how come i do not i i do not realize that or whatever how come i don't experience it is because whatever is to be done is not done so just because i do not experience it or i do not see it doesn't mean that is not the case that truth is there and then i have to do whatever is necessary to see the truth <coughs> and thus in the 258 verses in this chapter that is a vichara or deliberation upon the tattva and now the last verses are devoted to the think uh, the thought or the deliberation upon jivan mukta or a wise man <coughs> ಪೂರ್ಣಮದೂರ್ಣಮುದೇ ಪೂರ್ಣಸೂರ್ಣಮಾ ಪೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶಿಷ್ಯಾಂತಿ ಹರಿ ಓ